You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church Audio Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. I wanted to let you know that uh, Pastor Farrell is at our East Lincoln campus this morning. Uh, for those of you that may not be aware, we are a, um, we're one church, but we're many locations, and we have campuses in Statesville, East Lincoln, and of course this is the Cornelius campus. And Pastor Farrell enjoys the opportunity to get to go to connect with those congregations from time to time, and so he's at East Lincoln this morning. And if you're watching online, Grace Online, I want to welcome you this morning too, wherever you are in the world. So I'm um, just really excited about what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you guys were not here last week, I want to kind of catch you up on where we are. You'll notice kind of the logos on the side of the wall there, and that is not just a sermon series illustration, which our series is Connect, Serve, Grow, but it really is the mark of the discipleship model that we have here at Grace Covenant. If you want to know how we do discipleship, it is through those three words. It's connect, serve, and grow. Last week we talked about connect and the importance of connecting with God, that relationship with God, how vital that is to our life, and the need to continually connect with Him on a regular basis. But we also talked about the need to connect with each other in relationship. We talked about uh, the offerings that we have as far as life groups, study groups, uh, common interest groups, a number of ways to get plugged in and connected. But it is vital and it is essential that you are connecting with other people in the body of Christ and growing and learning from them uh, in order for you to w- grow into spiritual maturity. Now, I tell you what, I've known some people <clears throat> that have lived in isolation and really say, hey, the whole group thing or living in community thing, that's really not for me. I don't need that. And I will tell you, they have some of the most interesting theology I've ever encountered in my entire life. That there's some stuff that they will come up with that's going, okay, this sounds like either Dianetics or some kind of science fiction novel. That the stuff they come up with theologically, because they are isolated, they're on their own, and they're really not engaging with other people and sharpening each other and learning the word from each other, then you're just kind of off on your own to kind of come up with whatever God you want to create. And it's not only that too, but we also learn from each other emotionally, relationally, and a number of other facets of life. And we have to be living in life together. We learn from each other and we grow from each other. So that was the essence of what we were talking about last week when we talked about connect. Next week we're going to be talking about grow and how vital it is for us to continue to pursue our own growth, to grow and to mature in what God has called us to do and the ways that we do that. And Pastor Phil will be talking about that next week. But today we're going to be talking about serve. And before you go ahead and go off in your mind, and great, another sermon about volunteerism, they're going to recruit me for the children's ministry. That is not what we're doing today. We want to provide opportunities for you, and we want to uh, direct you in ways in which we feel that you could uh, best serve and grow as a result of that. But what I want you to get and understand today is that serving is essential to your maturity in Christ. If you are not serving, you are not going to grow and you're not going to mature in Christ. Just flat out. That's why all of these symbols are interconnected. They are interdependent upon each other. You can't just connect and not serve. You can't just grow and not connect. You can't. All of that is vital and it's connected with each other. 
And so as we talk about that today, I want to talk about what, you know, why it is so vital for us to serve and what that means for us and how God has called us to serve. So what I want to start off with, let's look at Matthew 20, and we're going to look at verses 20 through 28. Now, I believe your bulletin insert or the sermon notes say 38. That's a typo. It's supposed to be 28. And it says, then the mother of the Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons kneeling down and asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." We have here the illustration that Christ, God on high, set for us the example that he humbled himself, came to this earth, and became a servant for all. His role, his position, was that of a servant. This is the God who washed the disciples' feet. This is someone who exemplified that this is how I want you to be. You are a servant to all, and I've called you all to do exactly that. Warren Wisby says that ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Everyone has a role and responsibility. I want to talk about that. I'm going to unpack that. There are three things that I want you to walk out of here understanding this morning. And the first thing is, is that you have a role. 1 Corinthians 12 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Everybody has a role in the body of Christ. Each one is gifted and called to a specific assignment. Everyone in this room has a function. You have a purpose. You have an assignment. You are all called. You don't get a hall pass on this one. You each have a role. And it's up to you to answer that and determine what it is that God's called you to do and be obedient and to walk in that. You've got to think of it this way. If you're in a firm, to be a partner in a firm is not that you're sharing the work, but you're sharing the firm. Now, church memberships are different anywhere that you go. And some of us may not even understand the concept of church membership. You may be new to that. And basically what church membership is, is this, is that we kind of come together We talk about what we agree on theologically and doctrinally, uh, what our vision is and what our mission is. And if you feel like you agree with that, that resonates with you, and you're going to walk in partnership with uh, us in that, then we want you to come and join and kind of be part of the family. And for however long God would have you uh, in this season. So that's the essence of what it is. But here at Grace, we don't necessarily call it membership. We call it partners or partnership. And there's a reason for that, because we want everyone in this room or everyone that it's decided they want to be partners of grace to own it. The fact that you all have a responsibility together. It's not as though that, oh, well, these people do that and I just kind of come. It's a thing that, no, you are a partner. You know, I remember um, 
my first Sunday here, about a little over a year ago, and I was, I think I was over there talking to Pastor Farrell, and we were just kind of talking a little bit about the, the sermon, and, you know, I was telling him something, and next thing I know, he's kind of doing this, and I'm kind of like, should I join you? Um, are we praying now? What, what, what is this? What's going on? And he's picking up little pieces of paper up off the floor. And I'm going, I don't know whether to feel guilty or impressed. What, 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 what's, what's happening here? And the thing is, is that I've seen, I've worked with senior leaders and such, and there are many that would just kind of go, oh, could you call somebody for maintenance or could you uh, get somebody to come and pick this up? There's some uh, trash on the floor and vacuum that up. But no, you got someone, you got a pastor here who's highly motivated. His motivational gift is serving. And so he's doing that. He's not asking somebody else to do it. It's looking at it and going, okay, this is my responsibility. That whoever comes into this place, whoever comes into this church, it's like you want the table to be set. You want the room to look nice because you want it to be welcoming. And so you're going to take responsibility for that. And I thought that's a great example of a senior leader to exemplifying that himself. I worked at one church one time. I remember that there was some kind of mess on the floor. There was something, and um, I overheard somebody ask, well, do you think that, um, you know, we should pick that up or whatever? Oh, no, 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 no. We pay people to do that. Oh. Okay. Um, first of all, this isn't a country club, and the tithe bag is not your membership dues. It's a thing where, no, we, we own all of this together. But, you know, have that attitude of just kind of, you know, come and consume and not realizing that everyone in this room has a role. You have a purpose. You have a responsibility. And we all want to own this together. That's why we call it partners. That's why we want you to consider yourself a partner should you decide that Grace Covenant is going to be your home. And for those of you that are asking, okay, what is this? We do offer partnership classes on a regular basis. You want to check your bulletin for that and decide if that's something that God's calling you to. So first, you have a role. Second, you have a responsibility. Every Christian is on a mission. Every Christian is sent. Now, I want you, if you have your Bibles, let's take and go to Luke 10, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 20. It says this, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, for those of you that know anything about uh, biblical numerology and such, you know that numbers mean things and they have significance. And with that number 72, if you look at rounding the number to 70, when we get to 70 or so, it represents the whole. It represents a totality. It represents completion. And so when Christ sent out the 72, what in essence he was doing was sending out everybody. Not just a group, not just a subset, not just a, hey, you 10 disciples go and you go do the work. He sent out everybody. Everybody had a responsibility. Everybody was called. God calls people in to send them out. 
The thing is, is that if you look at the Bible and you look at the stories, you will see that where God spoke to Moses, he called Moses in, or Elijah, or he would uh, call Saul, then who became Paul, uh, in. But he didn't just call them in to hold them in. He called them in to send them out. So once he called them in, breathed life into them, gave them clarity and purpose, he immediately gave them a responsibility to go and to accomplish. So everybody in this room has a responsibility. Whether you think so or not, you do, and we're all held accountable for that. We are all called to serve in some capacity, and God has called you in to send you out. And your question, and what you've got to do is determine what that is. For we are his workmanship, and we're created in Christ Jesus for his good works, we're told in Ephesians. That you were created specifically for good works. You were created to accomplish specific things that God has for you. And we are given several instances where Christ has communicated our responsibility to serve one another, to wash one another's feet, to submit to one another, and to carry each other's burdens. There's a number of tasks that he gives us to where we are called to serve others and to uh, basically be the hands and feet of Christ here on this earth. And if we're not doing that, then we're not functioning as we so should. Romans 12, very quickly. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. You have a purpose. Everyone, you have a role, you have a responsibility, and you have a purpose. Whether you believe it or not, you do. Now, I used to, for a number of years, work in the restaurant industry. And maybe some of you have had that wonderful, delightful experience of doing that. Uh, Really, it was really a, a point of correction in my life because I used to be one of those guys that would give waiters and waitresses a hard time. I'd leave negative uh, comment cards or I wouldn't tip accordingly. And so God said, basically, it's time for a little spanking, boom, 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 and you're going to be a waiter for five years. I waited tables in uh, a Mexican restaurant. I waited tables in an olive garden in Colorado. And I remember one day going up and there was this cowboy sitting at the table, literally a cowboy. And, um, you know, he ordered a steak and I said, well, sir, how would you like that prepared? And he said, well, why don't you just whack off its horns, wipe its backside and send it mooing to the table? (laughs) So that would be rare. Uh, going, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go tell the chef that. Uh, it, <laughs> you know, a wonderful, great experience is there was one time where I um, had to wait tables in a 50s themed diner on roller skates. <laughs> I was not a teenager, I was in grad school. Okay. Second of all, I was one of those two that was basically like, I'm not going to do the roller skate thing. I want to do rollerblades. That's going to that's be a lot cooler. So I got the forward motion of rollerblades down. It's just I didn't have the stopping part. And so basically what I would do is just kind of go up to a table and, can I take your order? And that seemed to work for me up to the point to where I did this one day and spilled hot tea into a policeman's lap. And go, well, <laughs> thank you for not arresting me. I quit. 
But now I'm at a point to where, you know, if I go in a restaurant, like, uh, I don't care what you do. If you pull a gun on me, you're still getting 20% because I completely <laughs> respect, just take my money. I respect everything that you do. Um, so, but the thing is, if you've worked in a restaurant, you kind of know how things work. And when you go to, for, uh, to, uh, to go into the door, you're greeted by a host or a hostess. And that host or hostess has a responsibility. They're kind of like air traffic control, if you will. Every waiter and waitress is given a section of the restaurant, and they have a certain number of tables in that section. And that host or hostess is responsible for making sure that each waiter and waitress gets seated fairly and accordingly, but also making sure that the customer is happy. So it seems like an easy job, but it can be complicated, especially if you're on a 45-minute wait and having to deal with some of the likes of you or me. <laughs> so it's, you know, how impatient. So you've also got to kind of be, uh, kind of fend off a lot of ir irritated customers and everything. It can be a complicated job. So you've got, um, you know, this situation where they're kind of feeding tables to the waiters and waitresses. And the waiters and waitresses are really uh, dependent upon the host and hostesses because that's their income. And, de and dependent upon how many tables they get that night determines how much money they're going to take home. And for those of you that don't know, waiters and waitresses make, I think, somewhere, I don't know if it's still under $3 an hour or something like that, that the tips that they make are, that's what they take home as their pay. So just think about that next time you're in a restaurant. But um, you, they've got that situation. Then also, uh, what the waiters and waitresses do also help to serve the life of the restaurant and make sure the customer's happy so the customers come back. But you've also got in the back, in the kitchen, where not only do you have the cooks and the dishwashers and the, all, and the prep people and all that as well, but you've got someone called a food runner. And that food runner is responsible for making sure that the food it get, is not sitting under a heat lamp when it's done, but it's immediately taken out to the table so that it is, at, it, it is at its best. And that makes the waiter happy, that makes the customer happy, and everybody is interdependent upon each other. But if one of those things falls apart, then you've got mayhem, and you have got just kind of a nightmare in a, in a restaurant uh, situation. The body of Christ is a lot like that. The church is a lot like that. If one part is not functioning accordingly, then it affects us all. If one of you is not serving in the way that God has called you to serve, we all suffer for it. We all are dependent upon each other. And if you are not operating at your capacity, if you're not operating in the gifting, if you're not operating in the role that God has called you to, then we all feel it, and we are not at the best. We are not reaching the full potential that God has called us to do. Now, you're kind of going, well, okay, I have a purpose. That's fine, but I, 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 don't, I, you know, I don't know how I can accomplish that. I'm not really skilled. I'm not really gifted. Well, let's remember who God has called, he is going to equip. So God will give you power. You have a purpose, and that purpose has power. And 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. When we serve in the name of Jesus Christ, it means that we have the healing power of Christ coming through us. It means that we have the confidence and the poise to rest in his power. That there is power within you to accomplish what God has assigned you to do. There is Holy Spirit power within each and every regenerate believer 
that you, if you have been born again, that you know Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within you, you have that power within you to accomplish whatever task God's called you to do. There may be some here, you know, kind of saying, well, I don't know about, you know, I don't want to, you know, do communion or I don't want to do this or that. Or maybe you're a real introvert. And the idea of putting you on the greeting um, station or welcoming people at the front door is just absolutely terrifying to you. Well, I'm not going to put you there. If that's not something that you do well, I honestly, I'd be a terrible greeter. That's not my gifting. I mean, good grief. Pastor Michelle's got me scheduled for 5.30 on Easter morning to greet people when they come in the front door. <laughs> this is not going to be pretty, folks. I'm serious. I looked at I looked at Farrell and said, is this a dare? <laughs> so just bring me coffee and I'm going to grunt at you and that's all you're going to get. Because that was not in my job description. So... Just, but understand that you know, you're not going to be somewhere where God hasn't called you to be. I know some of us have been strong-armed into positions in the past to where we're going, I don't know how I got talked into this. You know, if you're one of those people that's like, you know, I understand that having children is necessary to further the species, but other than that, I just don't get them. <laughs> then do not go to the kids' table, Okay. We, other people will step up for that. We don't need you there. We need you somewhere else. You may be great at the parking team. You may be, great at, be doing great at something else or serving in the community in some way. But you have to find what your niche is and how God's wired you. I grieve sometimes for introverts because I feel that we as a culture, especially within the church, have elevated charisma and uh, charismatic personalities and extrovert to an ungodly level. And basically communicates to other people that are not wired that way that you really have no place here. And that is absolutely not true. There are a lot of great behind-the-scenes types of opportunities that are available that will just give you joy and give you fulfillment, and you just don't have to deal with people. And there are people that are wired that way. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you don't get in community, you get, but they're, they're the type of people that are like, I like one-on-one or just two or three at a time. Big groups, I can't handle it. That's how God wired you. That's okay. But find that unique way in which you can serve because that's, you know, God has wired you that way for a specific purpose. And that we celebrate each other in the way that God has created each and every one of us. God has given us power and authority. And one thing that we need to look at this too, as far as serving is concerned, is that serving is actually, in a way, a form of spiritual warfare. If you look at it like this, that in serving others is to bring hope, love, relief, and care, it is the offense of spiritual battle. A lot of us get into, and rightfully so, where there's those times we're on the defensive, we're contending against certain things, we're fighting against certain things, we're you know, claiming things in the name of Christ, we're going after it in heavy spiritual battle, but that's always seemingly on the reactionary end, it's on the defensive end. And I think a lot of times we spend so much time on that side of spiritual warfare, it's because we haven't spent enough time on the other side, on the offense where we're extending love, we're extending care, we're meeting needs, we're doing all of that. We're, we're, we're meeting the, the deficiencies and the deficits that the adversary has left in the wake of the world. And that in itself is a form of spiritual warfare. It's a form of spiritual battle. When you're serving, you are actively participating in bringing relief and care to this world, which is a form of spiritual battle. 
There's not just a defense, there's also an offense that's involved in that as well. And serving is a vital part of that. Believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We've been changed by Christ. As a new creation, we can now produce good works through Him. We also have the capability to love Christ, where before we only had the capability to despise Him. Before we had our fallen sinful nature as our guide, but now through Christ we have been given a new master to guide our thoughts and deeds. Before we could only serve the lust of the flesh, now we have the power to serve God. That there is power within you to do what God has called you to do. That's why you see sometimes people that are, you know, um, I've seen it even where Pastor Farrell may not be feeling well, or you know, um, I may not be fully awake at seven o'clock in the morning. Whatever it may be, that you know, you get here and like, oh gosh, I don't think I can do this this morning. This is going to be a real challenge. But in the moment when it comes time, boom, the spiritual, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power to do what He's called you to do. I've seen it time and time and time and time again. In fact, I can't even recall a time to where I've known somebody that was sick or, you know, really fighting through something on a Sunday morning as if they were speaking to where they weren't able to get through that time because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That when we engage in that power, God gives us the equipping, but also helps us to grow in the skill that he's already given us uh, to begin with. So you have that power and your purpose has joy. John 17, 13 says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. If you remember what I said back in Luke, and the scripture, the 72 coming back, what we have to remember is that he sent the 72 out. And when he sent the 72 out, he sent them out in the face of adversity. He knew that they were going to encounter difficult things. He knew they were going to encounter Uh, terrible situations and persecution, whatever that may be. But it says that they came back with joy. Now, how does that happen? How do you go out into a world that's filled with adversity, but you come back with joy as a result of that? Well, the fact is, is that they were extending themselves beyond themselves. They were serving. That we have to understand that Christ will send us out to face our, our, our adversaries. But two, we also have to understand that we have to be willing to engage a broken world and be willing to experience a broken heart. Some of us are like, you know what, I don't want to really have to get involved in someone else's life. I've done that before, and I've tried to give counsel. I've tried to you know, help them along, and either they walk away from the Lord, and they don't heed my counsel, and everything just becomes a mess, and I always wind up getting hurt. Well, I get that. And I can't tell you how many times I've been there before where I've just kind of gone, I'm done. Why, why do I continue to do this, do this to myself? Because I do get emotionally involved. I do form an attachment to that person. I mean, how can you do ministry and be cold and callous and, and keep people at arm's length? You can't. You've got to be willing to wrap your arms around people and get involved and care for them in their lives. And I can't tell you how many times I've just wanted to just throw my hat in the ring and just go, I'm done. I can't tell you how many times I probably will in the future because it never stops hurting. But if we're not willing to get involved in other people's lives and reach out to a broken world and experience a broken heart, then we're never going to accomplish what God has called us to do. When we don't serve and we isolate ourselves, we seal our hearts in a cloak of selfishness which prevents us from having a broken heart. So if you want to protect yourself and not risk 
getting in people's messy lives, then you will have one or two options. If you do that and you cover yourself in a cloak of selfishness, you will have a hardened heart. There's no way around it. You can't, you can't avoid that. But if you decide to serve and extend your life to others, then you will have a broken heart. But it's the same broken heart that Christ experiences with us on a regular basis. It's the same broken heart that he has for the world. That we are to have, it's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to, we're supposed to be able to feel that because out of that comes a need and a response to bring relief and to bring compassion. That we have to be willing to get in other people's lives and to get messy. If you're stingy with your time, your money, or your heart, you will have no joy. If you're committed to not having a broken heart, you will have a hard heart. There's no alternative. You know, we live in such a consumer mentality. We live with a lot of spirituality that's out there that basically says that, you know, your number one goal life, that number one thing that God wants for you is to be happy. That, that's what exactly what God wants for you. He wants you to be happy. And you need to pursue happiness. Show me the scripture where that is. You will not find it. I find scripture that tells me that you will encounter hardship. You will encounter suffering. You will encounter trial. But you also, if you walk through that, encounter joy. Because out of that, we find our joy. We find our purpose. We find our calling. And we find our fulfillment. There are some of us that are sitting here today that we're basically consumers. We come in and we consume. And we kind of think that, well, what kind of programs are you putting on for me today? What kind of uh, activities do you have? Uh, What is it that you have in order to provide for me to make sure that I'm getting fed today? Well, absolutely, we're committed to that. We want to provide those things because those things are important to our spiritual growth. But my question to you is, well, what are you doing to contribute to that? What are you doing to to help to serve in that way? Because it can't be 20% doing 80%. It's got to be, we got to be all linking arms and running together. And if you're not involved and if you're not contributing, then we're missing something very vital that you have that we need. There's only, you know, you can only do something in a way that only you can do. It's not going to be the same way that I possibly could do. Your purpose has power, has joy, and then your purpose is unique. God uses all of our unique experiences, both positive and negative, to prepare us for what he has ordained us for specifically. Everything you've gone through in your life, everything you've experienced, and you may have asked why, You know, why did I have to go through that? What was that for? Well, God wants to use that for a very specific purpose. He wants to use it in a unique way. You may be able to reach people in a way that I can't or someone else can't simply because of who you are. I don't know, maybe you've encountered this. One of the things I've loved to do, done for years, is that, um, you know, kind of a mentoring. I kind of love to do the one-on-one thing. And uh, just be able to kind of have opportunity where God creates a connection to provide that level of mentoring in someone's life. And one of the things that I will do, especially if somebody's going through a real um, difficult situation or they've got a lot of uh, emotional baggage or relational baggage or such in their life and they're really raw and it's really challenging, what I will do is that I will say, uh, you know, your number one responsibility right now is to serve. 
I want you to find a place to where you can go and you can serve in the body. That's appropriate. They may not be on the platform, but I want you to go up there and I want you to find a way in order for you to get engaged and to serve. Because it gets their mind off of themselves. It gets them over their narcissism. It gets them over the fact that I'm the only one in the world that has problems. And it helps them to extend themselves beyond themselves. Now, many times in these situations, I can you know, be mentoring someone, and I will tell somebody something repeatedly over and over and over again. So you really need to address this in your life. You really need to look at things like this. You really need to consider this thing that I'm trying to get my point across. Are you not hearing me? Hello? And then I can do this for two years. And then some delightful soul will have coffee with this person, And then in five minutes, say what I've been saying for five years, and they will come back and go, this person said that. It was wonderful. I never heard that before. I'm going, I've been saying that for five years. What do you mean? I'm like, God, I want the tally for that one. I've been doing that. I've been saying that for you. That better go down in my book. But the thing is, that person came in that moment, in that way, in a way that's specific to them, in order, and they connected with it. They were able to receive it. They were able to <clears throat> understand it because it was just that unique connection and the way that God had made them. There are things that you guys can do in this room that I can't. There are people that you can connect with that I can't, and vice versa. And we respect that. But when we we're walking that strength together, and then guess what? We're stronger as a body. When you involve yourself in the life of somebody else, you're not doing it like anyone else in the world. It's as though God is saying, I've sent you to do it, and my power will come into that person's life through you. My power will come into your service. My love will come in your love. So we're going to end the service a little bit different this morning. I'm going to end it actually a little bit early. I want that marked down for the record. And... We're going to kind of go, and we're not going to end it early so that you can beat the Baptist to the lunch line, okay, or the Methodist or whoever, not to discriminate. But what we're going to do is that I want you to go outside into Clanton Hall, and we have what we call a ministry fair this morning. And what there are, booths of different ministries and such set up, and they have listed the number of opportunities, or have listed a number of opportunities for you to get involved and to serve in. And you need to go and investigate and find what would be your niche. It may be serving here at Grace Covenant, or it may be serving in the community in some way. We have a number of connections through our compassion ministries. You could be serving kids. You could be a life group leader. You could be a number of different things. Or maybe we just need help uh, folding the bulletins during the course of the week. Or we need help uh, maybe in some way with, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you could, there's a number of behind-scenes things that are available. But there is a place for you, and there's an opportunity for you to serve. And this is a vital and essential to your spiritual growth. You will not mature. You will not grow in Christ if you are not finding some way in which to serve. Just not going to happen because Christ modeled that himself. He made himself a servant to all. So how can you become like Christ if you don't do that? You can't. So I want to close in prayer this morning, but I also want 
um, I'm going to have the ministry teams that are going to have come up uh, up front. And if you need prayer, if you need just some ministry this morning, we want to make that available to you. And you know we have the communion tables for those that like to take communion each week. That is available to you as well. So I want you to come up front. But then I want you to go out and to go and find that point of connection for you in that place of service in Clanton Hall immediately after this. So let's all stand. And I'm going to close this out in prayer and then send you out to find out what is uniquely yours and what God has called you to in your area of responsibility in the body of Christ. So, Father, I thank you. I give you praise and glory. And, Lord, we just ask that you, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, show each and every person in this room their unique calling, their unique role, and how God has specifically wired them, Father, to serve in your body and to serve in a way uh, that only you have called them to do. God, I pray that you bring revelation to something they may not have even considered. But God, I also pray that you stir within their hearts, Lord, an urgency to respond and an urgency, Father, to find that point of connection, to find that place of service that they may grow fully into the mature disciple that you so desperately want them to become. And Father, I ask that we go out into this week, God, that we all find points of service within our community, our co-workers, our friends, our family, whatever that may be. But our mind may be continually focusing on serving because we know our relationships grow stronger. We know our marriages grow stronger. We know that we are living in a healthy place when our focus is not solely on what can you do for me, but how can I serve you? And Father, we ask that that revelation come in our minds and Father, that it just set like rock in our hearts, God, that will always be there, Lord, and always tangible. And Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Go out and find your connection of service. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.